Easter. Well, last year, uh, a pandemic ruined Easter a little bit for us as far as gathering together and and being uh, all together in the same place. So this year, uh, we're extending an invitation to you to come and to join us. Uh, if you're more comfortable with a mask and, and uh, a little separated, that's available here. We love you guys. We want to see everybody that can possibly be here. Come, and we want to encourage you to invite, because just as we saw there, this is a time of year where people really are open to that invitation. There are a number of people who have been experiencing some challenges and difficulties and crises lately that's got them asking the question, what is going on? I thought I had my life together. And now they're ready more than ever to hear about a Savior who loves them and cares about them, as RJ was telling us, and has a great plan for their life. So we want to encourage you to invite them and to be a part of that. We're, we're still in our No Series series, and these are seed thoughts and things that some of them I've had around for a long time and just have not felt freedom to uh, release and talk about some of these things. And uh, so they're not really all connected in any particular way. But uh, this, this Sunday, I want to talk to you about receiving power. We're in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 8. I think it's a significant message for the time and the season of us. And I just want to say thank you, everyone who's online listening, all of you who are here. We don't want anybody to tune out. But I do want to say that much of what I have to say today is about us locally and is about uh, what I believe God is saying to us here. There are things, having said that, that those of you who are far off and can't join us and be a part of this locally are going to gain and be encouraged and enjoy. So hang around and stick with us. And uh, it's, it's going to be a great time today as we open the Word of God. Let's read in chapter, uh, Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. Therefore, when they came together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses uh, to me in Jerusalem uh, and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus, asking that you would open our hearts to what you want to say to us. Father, that you would allow us to receive it into good ground, that you would help us to understand the importance of being empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish the mission that you've set before us. Outside of that, we exhaust ourselves. Outside of, of uh, embracing the, the power of the Holy Spirit, much of what we try to do that is good has a short lifespan. But God, when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, life change happens in us and those to which we are called to minister. And so we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would open our hearts to this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be tired of talking about it, but the economists are still working on it. And uh, the Texas freeze in February is estimated to have done $130 billion in damage across the state. 
Millions uh, lost power and water for several days. Uh, there were all kinds of, of complications as a result of what took place with the icy roads. It was impossible, and, and many of you tried, as did we. I found out that our little car worked better than the truck on the ice, and uh, we ran around and tried to do as much as we could to help and to reach out. Had our house completely packed with people who had lost water, power, uh, those kinds of things, and kept the invitation open. We thought, well, you can sleep on a pallet on the floor if you want. We came over to do the same thing here inside the church, and the rest of that story you know, uh, Noah's Ark uh, does not float. We, uh, <laughs> we were a submarine on that day with an open door. <laughs> it's, it was nearly impossible to navigate the roads around here anywhere, uh, and you know, you couldn't get even if you had your power and those things, you couldn't get a few blocks to the grocery store. But even if you could, uh, many of them were shut down. The, the HEB that's real close to us uh, was closed for, for two uh, of the days of that, that freeze because they just had no power and, and no workforce, no people to be able to get to that. Uh, Waco economist Ray Perryman has done some work on this, and he puts even a larger price tag on the storm that left in its wake. He predicts that the final tally will fall between 197 million to 296 billion. I'm sorry, 197 billion to 296 billion dollars. Fig his figure includes the reduced economic impact from the forced closures. Uh, he factors in uh, businesses' losses during that storm season. But unlike the, the hurricane, he writes, unlike the hurricane or tornado, the damage and business interruption has touched every corner of the state, every corner of the state. This week-long freeze, there were power outages, insurance claims. Uh, I've shared uh, with you some of them. We had uh, custom plumbing in here. We have a relationship. I don't, we wouldn't even have got them, I guess, had we not had relationship with them over the years. Uh, Barry Samsel, uh, we're so grateful for him coming. On the day that uh, first Vanessa discovered the pipe that was just pumping out water uh, by the gallons. <laughs> and uh, we uh, called him to come over and, and to, to help us out. And on, on, the, on that day he arrived, it was a Wednesday, uh, he arrived here. He said that he, that day alone he had 700 calls. It's not a major plumbing uh, company, it's a, it's a family-owned uh, business. I would put it probably in the medium range uh, as, as a business in terms of, uh, uh, and, and he said he's 700 calls. The, the people who came to do, to remove the water from here and air everything out and, and take care of that uh, uh, black, is it black water, black hills? And uh, they came to, um, to, to do that part of the work here. And that gentleman told me that uh, in three days he had had 9,000 calls. Three days, 9,000 calls, people trying to get them out to a spot. You know, this was uh, historical and uh, bigger than, than anything that we have seen. And if I'm completely honest, it, it really shook me personally. And I think uh, maybe I'm speaking for others as well. I lost a lot of confidence in the power grid. Anybody else on my teams like the Texas power grid? Uh, not as confident as I was even weeks before, you know. Um, 
It, uh, I, I lost a great deal of, of confidence in that, in the, in the emergency preparedness of our uh, cities and our states. Um, I had to, to chuckle. It was writing back and forth. The uh, elders and Lawrence has told me that uh, and uh, up where they live, the, the single uh, truck that they have to put sand down on the road, uh, the guy flipped it over. So you know, it was like well, that whole community was without uh, the ability to even put sand on the road so that you could kind of drive around for emergencies, get food or whatever. So it was, a, it was really personally crushing then to come in here and see what we saw uh, in this building in our church and uh, the flooding that had taken place. And I think uh, it, it registered with me in such a way because so all of you really have worked so hard to get our building looking beautiful in the facility um, up to speed where it, it should have been, and it's, it's been a labor of love, and uh, we've done it over the years, and to come in and to see uh, one situation like that, it, it was just uh, deflating. But what we all learned about that is how it is, and, and these are lessons that, this is a lesson we learn periodically throughout life, but we came to grips with powerlessness, <laughs> did we not? <laughs> Uh, powerless is, is a word that, that best describes, I think, how all of us felt. You know, I'm, I'm in my home, and thank, uh, you know, thankfully we had electricity. We were able to welcome some people in. We had water. Uh, but it, there was a sense of powerlessness to, to uh, provide for my family. We had gone into the garage and cut up extra wood, and ready if everything went out we had a fireplace and everybody would just live around the fireplace some of you did how many of you just lived by your fireplace and that was it so we got a whole family over here that just that was it that was all they had going on you know and that's when you start looking at the furniture and you're like which is not my favorite piece <laughs> and then you start thinking well will that have a noxious fume to it or uh you know, and, and, you know, it was almost like, uh, have we, like, dialed back to the 1800s or 1700s? So there was a lot of, like, sense of powerlessness that's going on. And uh, we are, I think, most vulnerable when we're powerless, so we don't want to be powerless, right? Whenever we have had those experiences in life, it represents the fact that we are most vulnerable. We are at the mercy of, right, is what it means to be kind of powerless, there were thousands that could not turn on their heat in their homes uh, and because of this, because their thermostats were digital and their Wi-Fi went off. We have one of you who's here, raise your hand, <laughs> who had all the power to heat a home except no Wi-Fi, and that digital thermostat uh, would not let them kick on the power. Lost a lot of confidence in, uh, in the modernization of our homes and, and the technology that's going on, right? So what, what is it like to be connected to power but unable to access it, right? That is extremely frustrating, and, and uh, you know, our hearts are going out to all those that we heard that that was their situation. Those who, who received power primarily from green energy, uh, those sources, uh, were cut off because uh, we learned later that turbines had froze in place, uh, wind turbines, and that uh, obviously sunless days uh, provide no sun power for solar uh, units that were uh, functioning to, to give us green energy. Water pumps froze. We had that happen uh, here on the property at the church that we were notified by those who provide water here that it had froze. 
And uh, so we went to a situation where all water needed to be boiled. And many of you experienced, how many of you experienced having to boil your water? <laughs> okay, too many. All right. And um, we discovered what it looks like and what it feels like to have no power. And it really did shake our comp confidence and it exposed our limits of being powerless, right? As a church, we have experienced uh, setbacks, and this was one of them over the, over the last several years. You know, we uh, really over the last couple of years, every church across the nation, but speaking for us locally, you know, this uh, flood uh, for us here on the property uh, was one such, and we endured a pandemic and discovered that uh, what it was like to have online church, and uh, we saw you know, our nation divide uh, in, in the social justice arena, political arenas, and uh, we, what, what was most, I think, uh, disheartening was we saw division crop up even in the church. And among those who are, um, every uh, entity has uh, influencers, right, social influencers of some kind, and uh, for many of us over the years, uh, our influencers in Christianity have been, you know, those, those people who are uh, dynamic worship leaders or dynamic pastors and have large congregations. And, and in some respects, we were let down by that. We, we saw them uh, not be uh, as mission-minded in, in, the, in the midst of all of this as uh, it seems that, that Scripture would call for. And so it was disappointing all the way around. And, and all of us have faced that nationally, locally. We've faced those things. And, it, and it's blow after blow, I think, against the church and against Christianity, and the great freeze of Texas just represented one more of those waves of attack. And through all of this, though, we, we felt powerless uh, and in many ways to do the very mission that God has given us. In the, in the pandemic, you know, uh, the, the point of contact of Scripture, uh, laying hands on the sick, you know, uh, many things that are scriptural about loving and hugging our brothers and sisters and and uh, about seeing each other and, and greeting each other as it's in Scripture with a holy kiss, so to speak. Uh, that's more, you know, uh, Eastern culture in the West, though we are all about hugs and, and embracing people and, and uh, loving people. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's just taken a toll on what, it, what it, is, it means to be a Christian and how we define Christianity. And in some cases, I think we settled back and we said uh, to ourselves and just speaking to us locally, you know, we, we're too small to make a big difference. And so the question for us today out of the reading of the text is this, where does a church get its power? Where does a church get its power? Those two words receive power. Tell us everything that we need to know. You shall receive power. That's the promise. You shall receive power, and that's exactly how a disorganized, disillusioned, unprepared, ragtag group of disciples launched the most amazing spiritual revolution the world has ever seen. They received power. The source of our power is the same as the disciples, the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it says, when they come together, they ask him, saying, Lord, 
Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, and I want you to pay attention to this um, phrase. I think we have it up on the, the PowerPoint. It is not for you to know the times and the seasons the Father has put under his authority. What is he saying right now? You are missing the point. Lord, when is the pandemic going to end? Lord, when am I going to get my vaccine? Lord, when is, you know, we gonna, are we going to return to normal? Lord, when, is, when are we going to be able to pay for the things that were torn down and destroyed? And it is God saying to us in this moment, it is not for you to know the times and the seasons of the Lord. And then he goes on to say, but here's what's more important, and you should know this, and you should be ready for it. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He's saying on the one hand, there are things that you're paying too much attention to. You're way too focused on. Your life's attentions, your resources, your energies are way too... Here's something I want you to focus on. The mission that I've given you, and I'm going to empower you by the Holy Spirit to do it. Now, I'm a realist, and, and I can see our numbers. I see our finances. I see our committed members. But I can also see what God can do through empowered people. When I came aboard to our church in Phoenix, uh, Arizona, a long, long time ago, back before many of you were born, <laughs> and I was just uh, 19 years old, and uh, when I came aboard there at Phoenix, uh, we, um, I, my role was this. I was the children's pastor, the youth pastor, and in order to help me have a complete salary, I was the janitor. So if ever, ever I got high and mighty about, you know, being a, a pastor, I was always reminded that I also clean the toilets, <laughs> vacuum the, the church, and, and dust, and clean the windows, and all those kinds of things. And uh, so it was, uh, it was my start in ministry, right? Now Michelle uh, started working with me. We were really dating at the time. We weren't married, and she started working with me in children's church, and we had about six kids uh, in our regular children's church service. And uh, those six kids were very excited about, uh, you know, what we were doing. My youth group had five in it, and that included Michelle. She was number five. So um, I remember one Christmas that Michelle and her family had gone off to, uh, they, they went out of town, they went to Arkansas, back home where they're from, and uh, I had planned a youth group party, and I was going to pull this off, you know, on my own. And uh, at that youth group party, only two youth showed up. And it wasn't even, like, both of them were not even the right. One was a regular, and she had invited a friend. And I thought, wow, we're making a huge impression here. We're making a big dent in this community. So we had two that showed up. And, uh, you know, so I did the best to give them a great time. And so I figured, well... You know, to top it off, we jumped in the car and went down to a local mall and just kind of, you know, went to an ice cream place there, and it was all on me and stuff. And then I took them home, you know. Uh, and uh, so I'm on my drive home from there, and uh, I uh, said out loud in the car, all alone by myself on the drive home, I said out loud there what I'd been thinking uh, all night, this sucks. 
<laughs> and, and I drove home and, you know, and, and I got my Bible and I opened it up and it fell open to Acts chapter 1-8. And, and those words jumped off the page. Receive power. And I, I recognized how hard I had been working without God. How much effort I had been putting into it without really inviting his presence and his power to operate through me. And, and it really kind of, uh, I was alerted to that all just in that, that moment of that encounter with that scripture and the Holy Spirit bringing that to life to me. And I, I made a promise to the Lord that night. I told him uh, about that church and that ministry that, you know, I, I am not going to go back and, and ever again on my own might and my own power. God, if, it, if you're not in it, if you're not working through me, if the power of God is not working through me to accomplish these things, I'm not even going to begin it. I will never again try to do something without the Holy Spirit. And over the next 11 months, our kids' attendance went from 6 to 35, then to 50, then 100. Our youth group went from 5 to 25, finally to 40. Our entire church was experiencing growth. We uh, went through a, a situation where we, we started out with maybe 35, 40 people. We went to 50, we went to 90, 150. And by the middle of the next year, you know, somewhere along the lines, we were running 200 people in regular attendance at that church. And so my question today for me and for all of us is what's holding us back? Church growth problems? Receive power. Drug addiction problems in your home, in your schools, receive power. Family divided and rebelling, receive power. Marriages in trouble, receive power. Are you exhausted? Receive power. Are you discouraged? Receive power. Are you fearful? Receive power. Are you unforgiving in one or more areas of your life? Receive power. Have a spouse that won't go to church? Receive power. Children uh, ignoring God as children or as your adult children? Receive power. Feeling disconnected from God? Then receive power. Are you angry? Receive power. Whatever is the frustration of what is going on in your life, I want to encourage you to receive the power of the Holy Spirit just as that ragtag group of disciples did and they wound up turning the world around. Now listen, if you've been circling the mountain and you're tired of it, you know every little aspect of what is around the next corner. And God's inviting you to get the power you need to move forward to the promises that God has for your life. The disciples before uh, the Holy Spirit outpouring were a weak in their faith, to say the least. They argued about which one of them was greater than the other. Do you remember that? These are the guys before receiving power, right? They argued with each other about who was, the, they argued with each other about who was the greatest in the presence of Jesus, right? The sinless one. <laughs> no shame, right? <laughs> Let me just say, you know, well, okay, we'll be second in command. I'll be on your right hand, you'll be on his left hand. Really? <laughs> well, let's see where you are when God shows up. How about on your face? 
begging for mercy. They were fearful in the midst of a storm. On one occasion, they rebuked a man who was crying out to Jesus, Now, son of David, have mercy on me. And they rebuked him. Jesus, help me. Shut up and be quiet. Let us do what we do best. Can you imagine? They were upset with a woman who had used an expensive bottle of perfume to anoint Jesus' feet. This is all before they received power, right? What a mess. In the end, their story was this. One of them betrayed Jesus. None of them could stay awake to pray with Jesus. One of them denied Jesus three times in public. Only one of the twelve stuck around to see Jesus crucified and buried. One of the twelve. And all the others were in hiding. Not an impressive resume. I'd like to be your pastor. I've only denied Jesus publicly three times. But in fairness, in fairness, uh, my life was under threat. I think I can do a good job going forward. I've learned a lesson. And so um, I would like to be your pastor. What a resume. Impressive, right? These guys were. All but one of these 12 received power. And with hundreds of others on that day of Pentecost. And the world was transformed. It's easy to forget their struggles when you're just reading the book of Acts. Forget all about one of them denied him. One of them betrayed him. None of them were there. Even though Jesus told them over and over again, three days. And then be sure to be there for the resurrection. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great party. None of them were there, right? And it's easy to forget all of that when we start reading about them in the book of Acts, right? Are these the same guys? And, you know, just a few weeks ago, we talked about the 70 that walked away, and Jesus didn't go chasing them. The sheep are going. I have to go after them as fast as I can. Jesus turned around to the ones that stayed, and he said, Hey, you guys still here? You going to go too? We're still here. All right, there's work to be done. They, they lost numbers and then revolutionized the church. It's a, it's a picture in Scripture constantly that God shows. When Gideon is leading this, this army against, he's outnumbered, you know, 100 to 1 in, in, in uh, many cases, and God just keeps removing uh, men from him. He got too many, got too many, got too many, to where he's down to like 300 guys versus, I think, 22,000 Amalekites. How'd you like to take that army? <laughs> God says, there you go. That's the ones I can do it. Because now no one is ever going to say 300 guys beat 22,000. They're going to say, God did something. And, and God always loves working through places that seem impossible, communities that seem difficult and challenging. It's easy for us to forget about their struggles when we read the book of Acts. But for you and I, we have a beautiful building here. We have plenty of room for growth on this property. We have some great people that call this their home church. We have the tools to help teach and reach and baptize. 
God has been so faithful to help us put together tools for uh, ministry. We are situated in one of the fastest growing cities in the United States. And that means for us that there are people everywhere around us that need to know Jesus. People all over the place that are hungry. People everywhere that are looking for a home church and a congregation that will love them and care about them. So what do we need to do? I'm going to invite our worship team to prepare and get ready. What do we need to do? We have all the tools in place. And God brought me back to this uh, this week, my memories of, of what happened uh, at our church in Phoenix, because I think in many respects, uh, I'm just going to speak for me personally, I think I have uh, fallen back into a bad pattern of trying to accomplish things without the power of the Holy Spirit. Just getting up and going and doing things because they needed to be done and walking away exhausted, not re-energized, because I was failing to allow the Holy Spirit to empower me to do the work so that no longer are we trying to accomplish these things in our might and our power, but by His Spirit. What I've always found is that every sermon is better when it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. Every encounter, every hug, every handshake, every encounter is better when it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to work through us. That's what we need as a church. The kind of power that says to the lame man as Peter and John walked up to the gate, beautiful, hey guys, hey dude, we just don't have any money today, no silver, no gold, but such as we have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. Be empowered to do what God has called you to do as we are empowered to do what God has called us to do. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. If there is someone nearby uh, you that lifts their hands in a moment, I want you to pray for them. You want to receive power. You want the Holy Spirit to empower you to do the work that God has called you to do. I want you to slip your hand up. Pastor, that's me. I want the empowerment of the Holy Spirit today. If there's hands are up, keep them up for just a moment. I want someone nearby to lay hands on you and to pray for you. If you're comfortable with that, if you're okay with that, then uh, if not, please let them know just to pray from a distance. Lay hands on them. Lay hands on them. Point of contact. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord receive power of the Holy Spirit in the mighty name of Jesus to accomplish the work that you've called us to accomplish, to be who you've called us to be, to do what you've called us to do. We need to receive power. Let the Holy Spirit be outpoured upon our house, hearts and lives, upon this house, O oh Lord. God, upon the mission that you have given to us, Lord, that we might not try to accomplish this in our own might, on our own power, but by your Spirit, Lord. That's how a difference is going to be made. Lord, let us receive the power of the Holy Spirit today. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father, in the name of Jesus. We receive it right now, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit the same as those disciples.
that gathered together, Lord, in that upper room. Let that Pentecost Holy Spirit day be reborn in us, God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, that we might be used in the gifts of the Spirit, that we might see mighty things happen for your glory in the name of Jesus. Oh, Rabbi Shandalabakai, praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Receive power in the name of Jesus. Receive power in the name of Jesus. Come on, just open your hearts to worship him, to receive the power of the Holy Spirit working through you that you might be more effective at your job. You might be more effective as a parent, as a wife, as a husband, that we might accomplish everything that God has called us to do and to be. Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come to you. We open our hearts, Lord. We want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, God, to do what you've called us to do. It is not by might that this church will be built, but by your Spirit, O oh Lord. By your Spirit, empower us, Lord. Empower us to say yes to you and to do more effectively what you've called us to do that our efforts will not be futile, that our efforts will not be small, but will be great because of your enforcement, because of the enforcement of the Holy Spirit working through our lives. Receive power in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Just continue to worship him. Let's love on Jesus today. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father. 